Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Draymond Green summoning the Sixers. The Sixers big man is rolling around on the hardwood. And the hope is that the Sixers will have a clear picture on whatever issues there may be with that knee. And Embiid's ability to compete to be the back-to-back MVP is very much in jeopardy. Now we got one of our premier faces in this league, the MVP of our league, possibly hurt for an extended period of time because he's forcing it. 97.5, the Fanatic with the call. Sixers riding a four-game losing streak. That in itself is not the biggest story, though. You can tune into NBA action as the Celtics host the Lakers, presented by Indeed this evening. Coverage beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So basically, we've seen, we've seen Joel Embiid now miss two games at the Nuggets at the Blazers. He plays at the Warriors. He gets hurt because Jonathan Kaminga um, inadvertently falls on his leg. In the game prior to the Nuggets game against the Pacers, there was all kinds of conversation that maybe something wasn't right. He wasn't on the injury report, which creates the whole drama around, oh my God, he's not playing at Denver yet again. And now people are going to this place of, well, the new rules in the NBA really caused this. That because of the fact you have to play at least 65 games to qualify for postseason awards, which... Just for some background, if you win a postseason award or you're part of first, second, and third team All-NBA, there are different qualifications to earn more money, higher percentages of the salary cap by winning those awards or getting those honors, right? So you're going to want to play those 65 games. You're going to want to be first, second, third team All-NBA. You're going to want to be back-to-back MVP for individual stuff, sure, because it helps the team, but you also garner a bigger paycheck potentially long-term as a result of that. Draymond Green, Warriors forward on the Draymond Green Show, courtesy of the volume had this to say about why Joel Embiid was pushing himself. Joel playing tonight felt very much so because of the 65 game limit. Well, I think it's actually quite bull****. Guys didn't face those rules before, but those same NBA, all NBA teams, those same MVP awards, lists, uh, defensive player of the year, those lists are the same. I once lost um, a defensive player of the year award to Kawhi Leonard, and I think he played 51 games. In turn, um, you get Joel, who comes out there tonight, and he forces it. And freak play with him and uh, J.K. diving for the ball, but maybe it's not as bad if the knee isn't already banged up. I don't really bang with it. And now we got one of our premier faces in this league, the MVP of our league, possibly hurt for an extended period of time. Okay, so let's... Well, at least he acknowledges that it was a freak thing yes, with, with, with Jonathan Kaminga dropping down on Joel's knee. That has nothing to do with load management. Like, Joel Joel was banged up going into the game. Joel got banged up earlier in the game when he's going for a loose ball with, I think it was Pajemski, he was trying to get a rebound, and he turns his ankle. So, I mean, it's not as if load management... Uh, I mean, not load management. It was not as if the injury that he had coming into the game is what led to him being banged up and now potentially missing an extended period of time. But you said the right thing. Because the load management, taking games off in the NBA, is what caused this, right? So basically the NBA and the governors and the TV networks, as CC has pointed out, got fed up with the idea of 
tonight, we have Lakers-Celtics, right? And the, the possibility of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown not playing in that game. Right? The, 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 in this case, Lakers-Celtics, the laundry always matters. People are always going to watch Lakers-Celtics because of the historical rivalry. It's a lot worse, though, if those guys aren't playing. Sure. No and, question. And those are bad examples because LeBron James, to his credit, does not load manage despite what people believe. He really does not. It's not him that was the issue as much as other guys. But the NBA got to a place of how do we figure this thing out? How do we find a way to ask people simply to do the job that we're contracting them to do anyway. We're not asking them to play 84 games in an 82-game season. We're asking them to play as many games as possible, as close to 82 as they possibly can. People rely on the science of load management. As my buddy, our buddy Tim Legler always says, well, load management, why does it only apply to stars? We don't see role players taking games off. Good point. And the counter always is, well, they play more minutes. But it doesn't matter. If the science works for one, it should work for the other based on the amount of minutes you're expected to play and you do play. So the NBA and the Players Association had to agree, is this the threshold? 65 games. That means you miss 17 a year. It is not that difficult to do this. One other point. Major League Baseball has done this forever and nobody said a word. You need to qualify, correct me if I'm wrong, Smalls, on on plate appearances and innings pitched to win awards. There are guys that play in baseball one year that the next year are still rookies because they didn't actually qualify for a year of service time. So this is not some crazy thing we've never heard of before. It's actually applying what other sports already do, simply saying, if... Michelle, Chris, and Evan are contracted to do, I'm making this up, 100 shows a year. You know how many we should do? 100 shows a year. Right. Th- that's not that hard to ask. But what if my vocal cords are strained? Okay, well, there's, and I should there's take, circumstances. And I should take a day, but I'm contracted to, to hit 100 or whatever. But actually, it's in my benefit to take a day. But because of those that construct around me, I'm going to push myself and potentially lose my voice and not be able to do shows, which is what the players are arguing. Well, here's the thing. The players aren't losing money if they can't play. They just don't get to the threshold where they get the escalators, where they qualify sure. for Supermax contracts Bingo. and things of that nature. Bingo. So it's not as if you don't get the money money that you're contractually obligated to be paid by not playing. Injuries happen. It's professional sports. Right. But if you want to get to that next threshold, if you want to get those those supermax contracts, those escalators where you're bumping your salary up, you know, twenty million dollars, thirty million dollars a year, then then that's a different level. And I'm sorry, but that shouldn't be the obligation for the league to make sure that hey, you have an opportunity to qualify for this All-NBA team or qualify for this MVP or qualify for Defensive Player of the Year because you couldn't make the 65 games. I, I just I, I don't understand that part of it. And as far as what Draymond said about Joel pushing himself, that's a Joel issue. That's, that's not a league issue. And Embiid already has an MVP. Yep. He's already got that. So he's already qualified for the Supermax. So it's not as if he has to push himself to be the back-to-back MVP. If you're not healthy enough to go out there and play, then don't risk it. You're too important to your team. Now, the Tyrese Halliburton of it all, there might be a little bit more of an issue there because he's putting together a phenomenal season, but everybody acknowledged that he has a significant hamstring injury. My thing with that is, bro, you're a professional athlete. A part of your responsibility is, is to be healthy and available. And if you're not healthy and available, that's not on the team, that's not on the league, that's on you. As fair or as unfair as it may seem, I say this all the time, fair is a place where they judge pigs at. Yeah, you just, it, 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 ain't, it, ain't professional, it ain't professional sports, and it certainly ain't life. 
So, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Like, sometimes them be the breaks. If you don't qualify for an all-NBA team, if you don't make an MVP, you can always try to do it next year. This is both sides looking out for their money and their best interest, right? It's the league saying, you guys have put us in a position with this load, load management for us to have to put those guardrails up so that we can protect our best interest and having what? Go ahead. I, here's why that that is, I don't believe, correct. Because of the fact that the pie is split amongst the, the owners and the governors and the players, if the TV networks are not willing to pay the increase in percentages that the league wants, the players will then make less money. And when ESPN or Turner or any of the streaming services goes to the table to negotiate with Adam Silver and they're saying we could have 20 Lakers games a year, but only five of them LeBron plays, we're not paying full price for that. So when you say they're looking out for their own money, they are. But that's actually looking out for the players' money. I believe it's 51% of the total basketball dollars that come in go to the players and 49% go to the governors. So if you look at it that way, by the league explaining, well, you're mean, not going to no, make no, as no, much no, money. No, but here's where Smalls is right, though. Here's where Smalls is right. The league is taking a holistic approach and thinking about things long term. Yeah. The players are thinking about what can I get right now. Exactly. That's all they care but about. They're going to get less. That's all they care about. Well, well, here's the thing. They'll get next when the next negotiation happens. Yes, yeah, yeah. But they've been doing this for the last decade with the load management. Yes. They ain't been getting less because the TV contracts have been locked in. Right. So they've been able to enjoy this. And that's why the load management thing became such an issue where they had to implement these guardrails. Again, the players thinking about what can I get from the league in the short term? How can I make the most money, play the least amount of regular season games, and make sure I'm healthy and available so I can be in there for the playoffs? And that's where my legacy is going to be defined. Absolutely. That's what the players are thinking about. And to that, I would say, as a player, you have to think about your obligation to the sport and the health and well-being of the league. You have to. When I came into the NFL, I had players like Keyshawn Johnson and Drew Bledsoe and Larry Allen and Leroy Glover. And you know what they all told me? Hey, Rook, make sure you lead a game better than you found it. Mm-hmm. A part of leaving the game better than you found it is making sure the viability, the, the, the financial well-being of the league is better when you leave than when you came in. And the players over the last decade – have completely thrown caution to the wind when it comes to that principle. Because they're not they thinking about the game. They could give a damn right. about that. Or the product. They're not thinking about the product. They're not thinking about the... They're thinking about how can I maximize my bottom line, play the least amount of games, have the kind of legacy I'm looking for, and who gives a damn about the next generation of NBA players? It ain't me. I don't care. And that's the wrong mentality to have. Now, I'm not saying all... Because you do have the LeBron Jameses out there that are like, hey, I'm going to play when I'm healthy and available. I'm going to be out there. You got guys like that. I mean, Mikel Bridges played a whole regular season. And we taught him. We was like, hey, man, this guy's been in the league a couple of years, and he's played every single regular season game. Didn't he like, actually play 83 of 82 because exactly. he got traded? It was, it was, <laughs> people, played it. people marveled at it. Yeah. They were like, this is incredible. I think he, he played every game. This is incredible. Oh what God. a novel concept. Right. Like, like, but that's the problem, though. And I think that's – where the NBA is trying to change the culture and get it back to a place where guys playing every single game is more of the norm rather than the outlier. And that's where the rule is in place, and that's why I think it's incredibly tone-deaf and it screams of a lack of self-awareness from guys like Draymond Green and Tyrese Halliburton, guys that are making eight-figure salaries complaining that they're asking them to play basketball too much. When all we're asking you to do is go to work 80% of the time. 80% 80% of the time, I'm just asking you to go to work 80% of the time, dog. 
And here's the thing. If you go to work 80% of the time, you're going to be qualified for your bonus at the end of the year. But if you don't work 80% of the time, then you can't get your bonus. You're still going to get your salary. You're still going to get paid your money. Draymond, you're still going to get your $30 million this year. But if you play 80% of the time, you might be qualified for this bonus or this escalator in the contract the next time you renegotiate. I don't think that's too much to ask. No, and from the NBA standpoint, the product is more viable when the stars are out there. This is such a star-driven league. You have more eyeballs and more butts on seats if, in seats if it's guaranteed that the stars are going to be there. It's not as exciting. And for someone like me who's such a casual NBA person who's getting back into it because I don't have a team that I follow all the time, I'm, of course, less likely to tune in if, if LeBron and Jason Tatum are not out on the floor. And that's what you just said is I guarantee you what all of our bosses and all of the executives that are negotiating saying to the league when they're going through the process, when the league is saying, I know you've been paying $10, I'd like you to pay 11 and they come back with, no, well, we're going to pay 9 because we don't have stars that play, and when we're going to put a TV show on the air, you want an A-list actress or actor. And if you're not providing us A-listers, we're not going to then pay as much as we did previously. The other final thing on this for now, when the players are saying, I didn't agree to this, whatever it is, You agreed to sign into your union, which negotiates with the league that signs off on this. So you did agree to it. You may not have had a specific vote on this specific thing, but you're part of the Players Association. There's no way the league can do this without the go-ahead of the Players Association. Yeah, take it out with your union reps. And the reason that union reps would say yes is because they know total dollars coming into the league is going to be greater if stars play with TV contracts and other things. And thus the percentages that you're going to – you're 51% – of $100 is going to be greater than your 51% of $90. And here's the thing. The union leaders should also know you don't take your customers for granted. Yeah. And when sports leagues have done that in the past, it's come back to bite them. Major League Baseball, once upon a time, took their customers for granted with the strike. What was that, 94, 95? 94, yeah. Yeah. Guess what happened? People still aren't back. Yeah. People still aren't back. And they're they're changing the game and the rules every single offseason to try to bring fans back in. And imagine if their home run chase didn't exist. Exactly. (laughs) What the state of baseball would be. And that's what the NBA players should learn a lesson from that. You want to complain about the 65 game threshold? Think back about what baseball used to be, America's pastime, and where it sits now in the pantheon of North American team sports. It hurts me. That home run chase led by Hall of Famer Bud Selig, while Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa are on the outside <laughs> looking in. We're on Sportsman like on ESPN <laughs> Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Only one head coaching opening left in the NFL. The Washington Commanders. Yesterday, Mike McDonald goes from the Ravens to the Seahawks. Dancing. It's a bop right here. Daddy Yankee? Yeah, it's a bop Rompe? right here. Yeah. Um. How are we on the Wordle, by the way, back in the studio? I have, uh, Wordle update? Yeah, Wordle update if we could. Have Javante, uh, Javante and Nuno, have you guys given up? No, we, we've been uh, figured out that we couldn't get the word right. So it's been over for so quite they, a while. Yeah. They both failed. The worst part about it, it's such a simple word that you feel like a, uh, just, you feel dumb. <laughs> like I was trying to find the word to use, but like you feel dumb that you couldn't get that word. What word did you start with? Wait, now? and you're not allowed to spoil it, right? Because that yeah. would ruin yeah, people's day. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying don't we say should. I'm just confirming. I'm just curious what word you started with. I started with first. First. Okay. Not a bad first word. And you have vodka? I start with, I start with trash. Oh. My I friend think... Megan starts with vodka. <laughs> Wow. I have a friend who starts with on Wordle. Let's just be on Wordle. Yeah. She, starts. <laughs> she starts Wordle with vodka, not her day. Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> it's a judge-free zone. As long as she's not on driving, sports, but like it's a judge-free zone. <laughs> a little orange juice Judge-free zone. Judge Do you have friends zone. that start the day with vodka? There are definitely people out there uh, on there. vacation. I think, I think we've all been there. Well, maybe a bloody not Mary, you, but everybody else has been there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need a bloody Mary yeah. just okay. to get through the day. Can somebody explain to me how it is? I guess CC would be the one since he played for this team. How it is that the Ravens, regardless of who the general manager is, Ozzie Newsom was there forever and kind of set this culture, mm-hmm. right now Eric DaCosta, or the coach, Ryan Billick, now John Harbaugh. How is it the defensive coaches on the Ravens are always head coaches? How does that, like Rex Ryan, right? Marvin Lewis was there. Uh, Mike McDonald now. I'm probably forgetting other. Mike Nolan, I feel like, was there uh, at one point. How is it that they just produce head coaches all the time? It's a good organization. I don't know what however I don't know the other way to frame it. Like, but does it come down from ownership? Like, no, hey, we're always going to be defense first, no matter what. Even though they, they potentially have the MVP no, on offense, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily that. I think it's about the organization focusing on the development of its people. And when we say that, we usually think about it being player centric. But the Baltimore Ravens believe in developing their coaches as well. Mm. Like when they have these coaching internships and opportunities um, for inclusion, like they take those seriously and they. They, they try to put the infrastructure in place in order to maximize what they get out of every individual that walks into that building as an employee. And I think they show that with what they've been able to do from the head coaching standpoint, from an executive standpoint with the general managers. Think about it. Ozzie Newsome, Hall of Fame player, and now you're talking about a Hall of Fame executive. And now he passed the torch to Eric DaCosta, who learned under his tutelage for years on end. So I just I, I look at it as a franchise that is – that is functional and that's focused on being able to maximize the potential of everybody that is an employee. And that's why you get so many coaching candidates coming out of that building. Chuck Pagano also, I forgot him. 
it feels like stability is a huge factor there. When you have the same construct in place and the same framework in place, it's easy to grow those around you. So many times in the NFL, we see there be a churn after two to three years, and it's hard to develop an identity and develop those from different parts of the organization and have them ascend if you're pulling the plug on something and having it, the cycle go every couple of years. Yeah, so- and I know Browns fans ain't going to want to hear this, but it's happened across owners too because Art Modell was the owner when yeah, they yeah. got there. Yeah. And guess what? They, they they won a championship. You are right. Browns Steve fans Bichotti, will not want to hear that. Steve, <laughs> and then Steve, but then Steve Bashotti took over, Tremendous. and it's the same thing. Yeah. Nothing has really changed in terms of the culture in that building. That's hard to do. That is hard really to do. Really hard to do. I know this is a weird time to say this considering they just lost – and they did not play well, but we probably underrate the Ravens when we talk about the best organizations in all of sports. We probably don't bring them up enough. Oh, I don't do that. Well, I know I, you yeah, played yeah, for I, them. I, I, I don't underrate them. No, <laughs> I, not know, at all. I know that, but the not rest of us do. Is it different right when you get there? Like, can you tell yes. that it's going to be different? Yes, absolutely. How so? it, it's different. As soon as you walk into the, board, the, the, the doors, there is like a standard, but it's also a way that you go about doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not uppity. It's not nose in the air. We think we're better than everybody else, but it's keeping the main thing the main thing. The focus is always on winning, and it's what's in place does it help us win? If it doesn't help us win, then we're not going to do it, and we're going to throw it out. And there's constant communication between the locker room, the coaching staff, and the front office. Mm-hmm. So I can go to Ozzie Newsom if I wanted to talk to somebody. I can go to John Harbaugh. We had a leadership council of about a dozen players in there, and they asked us quite, like, hey, guys, do you like playing on artificial turf or do you like playing on grass? We said grass. Guess what happened a year later? Grass. They put grass on the damn field in the stadium. Wow. How many owners are going to do that? That's awesome. But that's my point. And they actually listen they to They actually you listen to the players. Like, action. what do you want to do? Like, I remember there was a guy that was a high draft pick, a second round pick once upon a time. He kept getting personal fouls. They came to us, the leadership council said, hey, can we win with this guy or do we want to cut him? Wow. What did you guys say? We said, we think we can win with this guy. Now, the guy ended up going on someplace else and winning the Super Bowl, but that's the kind of... They actually listen to the people in the building. There is constant dialogue. There is communication. And it's not surface. It's not just to check a box. It's not to make you – it's not a pretend effort to make you feel seen. It's actually, hey, we value your input on the situation. We're paying you because we we believe that you can help us win. And it's not just your abilities on the field, but it's also the leadership that you bring to our franchise. Now, here's the thing. I wasn't drafted to the Baltimore Ravens. That was my third stop in my NFL career, and I was at the end of it. Yeah. But they thought enough of what I brought to the table to include me in this leadership process. That's collaborative. That's what athletes want now. That's what this generation of athlete prioritizes. But I also think this generation of coach prioritizes that as well. And that's why they're so good. And is that ultimately stemming from Ozzie Newsom, Ray Lewis, all the above? Like, where does that stem from? Like, like that, that that's the tricky part. I, yeah. I listen, I think if you could answer that question <laughs> You'd hire that person you'd hire, the next you'd hire that person exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you could answer because it was there when I got there. Right. It was and there you didn't when play I got with there. Ray Lewis, but that mentality was there when you I got there. I didn't play with Ray, but Ray was around. Yeah. I didn't play with Ed, but Ed was around. Yeah. And that's the other part of it too. All of the all time greats for the Baltimore Ravens, they're always around. Yeah. They're always around. I mean, they were there at conference championship game weekend. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, they were there. And that matters because, I, you know, in covering the Cardinals for so long, current players will say the fact that I can be around Ozzie Smith or use him as a reference point says a lot. Like, if I come into the building and somebody like that is there, it's a, the personification of the standard. Like, I'm sure if you're in the building in Baltimore, 
and Ray Lewis is around. That is a, the personification of the standard of excellence that you have to meet. And the other part to that is the messaging that you send to the current players because every athlete wants to make sure that they have a home when they no longer can play. Oh, yeah. Where's my home at? Like, like, where, like where, where do I go? Like, you ask me, what do I think of myself as? And I say, hey, I'm what I need to be when I need to be. <laughs> but every athlete wants a home. Yeah. Like, I know I can go down to Baltimore and I'm always good. I don't need a pass to get through the gate at the door. I don't need a pass to get mm-hmm. through the front door. I can walk into the locker room. I can walk into the equipment room and tell them, give me a swag bag. I'm good there. Can you get some? I, I, I didn't win a championship, <laughs> but I'm good there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I love that. Well, what's amazing, that just to matters. go full circle on this conversation, uh, Mike McDonald, who's the youngest coach in the NFL, he's literally half of the age of Pete Carroll. He's 36 years old. Mike McDonald gets named the Seahawks head coach. Never was the defensive coordinator under Ozzie Newsom's leadership and never coached Ray Lewis as the defensive coordinator. And in many ways, Seattle probably feels like we have a safe hire because he came from Ozzie Newsom and Ray Lewis, which mm-hmm. is so weird. But you can kind of connect the dots there. And John Harbaugh, obviously a huge part of it as well. All right. Coming up, a man who has run many teams in the NFL and is as opinionated on NFL issues as there is. Mike Lombardi, a former NFL GM, will join us next. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Here we have the greatest coach of all time who's sitting there with a lack of interest. When you have a guy who's got six Super Bowl trophies and you're not bringing him in, it doesn't really send a signal that you're really trying to win. It was Bill Belichick's job to lose. He lost it. I refuse to hear the Belichick slander. Not with me around. I love him. Don't know him, but I love him. And I I hate the slander out there about it. It's ridiculous. We are on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Joining us now, he's a former general manager in the NFL. He's got a book out, two books out, Gridiron Genius, Football Done Right, GM Shuffle Pod, The Daily Coach. It is Michael Lombardi joining us here on ESPN Radio. Michael, let's start with this. Why is Bill Belichick currently unemployed by an NFL team? Well, I think a lot of it is the guard your desk mentality that resonates in the NFL. I, I listened to that clip. It was Bill Belichick's job to get, and he lost it. No, I don't think that's accurate. I think the Atlanta Falcons decided that their front office was far superior to bringing Belichick in, and they fought the idea of Belichick from from the beginning to the end, and they convinced Arthur Blank that they had the program and plan. That happens all the time in the NFL. If you read Paul Zimmerman's book written in 1975, Bill Walsh talks about this extensively, about how front offices prevent – sometimes the change that is needed to 
create a winning culture because that change might impede their power structure within the building. Look, this has been going on forever. And the fact that people haven't even interviewed Bill, I mean, can you imagine you're the Washington football team and you're not even going to interview Bill? I mean, seriously, and you're going to send a message to your fan base. We are committed to excellence. Look, the guy's won six Super Bowls. He's the best coach I've ever been around in my life. And I've been around some really great coaches. And his energy level at his age is far superior to a lot of guys. I mean, he's already has written up the college draft. He's worked on it. I mean, so it's kind of interesting. And what does it cost you? If I were Adam Peters, who actually worked in New England, why wouldn't I want to bring Belichick in and at least pick his brain to learn how I could do my job at the highest level? So for me, it's really about protection. Guarding your desk is what George Young, the former general manager of the New York football giants often said, and it's true. Michael, could you see Bill Belichick being able to work hand in hand with the general manager that he didn't pick? Oh, I, I think there's no question. Look, here, I think it's the reverse with the general manager that he didn't pick have enough confidence and enough football acumen to be able to work with Bill. Do you honestly think that Adam Peters is going to interview Bill? I mean, seriously, has anybody, any of you three ever spent time talking football with Bill or understanding what he knows, the knowledge of the game, what he sees in the game, but what's going on in the game? For me, it has been one of the greatest learning experiences in my life. And I worked for Al Davis, who knew more football than most people alive could possibly ever know. And Bill would, would, would challenge Al on any level. So I think it's the reverse. Do you have enough confidence in yourself? Do you have enough belief in what you're doing to be able to work with somebody who could make you better? It's called competition. We all want to embrace that. And I think, to me, that's really what needs to get answered. I don't think it's a problem working with them. I've worked with them when he, was, when he first got to Cleveland in 91, and that was a challenge then, and he had no Super Bowls because he was so smart. He made me better. He'll make everybody better. Well, Michael, I'm somebody that doesn't know him but looks up to him every day, as, as Chris and Michelle could tell you. Like, I study everything he does, so I agree with everything you're saying. Just quick follow-up on this because you do know him. We never talk about the human emotion around Bill Belichick. Is this hurting? Like, does he, does he hurt that he's going to be kept out of the league this year potentially? You know, in, 19, in 2014, I was there in New England with him, and I read a book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And when I got done reading the book, I, I found Holiday's email address, and I sent him an email, and I said, you just wrote the best book on Bill Belichick. And the book's actually on Marcus Aurelius, who has the quote, what stands in the way becomes the way. And Belichick's whole being will be that he doesn't really worry about what happens tomorrow. He's worried about what he's doing today. So he doesn't work in the NFL. He's going to work in the NFL for himself. I'm sure he'll work on the college draft, which he's already worked on. I'm sure he'll study all the teams in the league, which he probably always does. And I'm sure when he gets done the season next year, when someone wants to sit down and interview him, he'll be ultra prepared because he won't have missed a beat. So he never lives. He never stays outside of things that he doesn't control. That's why we're on to Cincinnati. It was, became a mantra because that's ultimately the way he acts every single day. Michael, I wanted to pivot and ask you about the New York Jets. There was a pretty explosive article that came out about the dysfunction that was happening inside the Jets organization this season over at The Athletic. And a lot of the the tension seemed to stem from Aaron Rodgers not being there, obviously, but 
He was given a lot of power in the organization. They brought in the offensive coordinator he wanted. They brought in a lot, of, a lot of the players that he wanted. From a front office perspective, how do you balance keeping a star player happy while also maintaining control? Uh, that's a challenge. I mean, you have to take their advice. You have to listen to them. You know, when we did with Brady, you know, we would listen to what he thought and you know, he would be involved. I can remember working out Reggie Wayne. Tom threw the ball. What do you think, Tom? Do you think he can help us? You know, should we sign him? Yada, yada, yada. You do that. But ultimately, you're in charge. I mean, you know, when you start to have a committee of decision makers, they've never dedicated a monument to a committee. So you, somebody's got to take command. And that article, to me, is what we've been t- I've been talking about on my show, The Lombardi Line on VEASAN. I've been talking about it on my podcast. Uh, I think it's clearly the case of what's going on. They have no organizational structure. They're completely paranoid. Their head coach has got a 33% winning percentage, and yet they're bringing everybody back because they want to they continue down the Aaron Rodgers path, which is wonderful, right? But the team around them is not wonderful, and the coaching around them is not wonderful. So to me, it, it's never about one player. They're taking an NBA approach at the Jets, and we know that doesn't even work in the NBA. <laughs> Michael, there are reports around Dallas that Jerry Jones has no intention of extending head coach Mike McCarthy. And earlier this week, Jerry was noncommittal on giving Dak Prescott a contract extension. From your perspective, can a team win a Super Bowl with a lame duck coach and a lame duck quarterback? Look, I, I think fear does the work of reason. Churchill said that back in the 40s when the Germans were bombing London. Fear does the work of reason. And he became prime minister. I think fear is the greatest motivator. When you're the hungry soldier, you work harder. How many guys do you know in your career that that were going into contract years that had their best year? I mean, it's just what it is. You find out the true measure of the competitive nature of somebody. And I think that's really important. And I think to me, it's worth You can definitely do it. Now, I think certainly he wants to sign Dak. There's no question. But he's got, other, he's got other guys to take care of. He's got to take care of Parsons. He's got to take care of Lamb. He's got to figure out his roster. The one thing I think about Dallas, uh, and I really believe this, I think they have mischaracterized, the national media has mischaracterized Dallas. They are not a talent, over-talented team. They did not underachieve this year. They overachieved. Go through that roster. The offensive line isn't the same, right? Tony Pollard was nowhere near the same running back. Defensively, they lost their best corner. Their defensive front wasn't as good. They lost their best linebacker in terms of the, the, the coverage style. So, to me, when they lose on the road, their line didn't play well, they couldn't stop the run-up in Buffalo, I don't think they underachieved. I think they overachieved, and I think Jerry has to realize that. Very interesting. Obviously, need more time to dive into that, but I do want Michael Lombardi to tell everybody about his book, Football Done Right. It's his second book. He's got Gridiron Genius, followed it up with Football Done Right, Daily Coach, GM Shuffle Podcast, Lombardi Line on VEASAN. Tell everybody about Football Done Right, Michael. Well, Football Done Right is a historical view. From my, my vantage point as a, as a fat kid growing up in Ocean City, New Jersey, kind of falling in love with the game and then becoming Bill Walsh's gopher. Uh, and having to sit behind him on the team bus as we went to games and and watching him doodle Clark Shaughnessy plays. And I had no idea who Clark Shaughnessy was. And I wanted to learn about coaching trees. And that's what I wrote about. Who, Where do all these coaches come from? What, what's their background? How did we get where they are? I think the perfect example I can talk about the book really happened in Detroit last Sunday. 
We saw 30,000 Detroit Lions fans show up at Ford Field. They could have stayed at home. They didn't have to pay $20 to watch it, to have a beer. And they didn't have to sit in uncomfortable seats on big screens. But they wanted to show their love of the Lions. And I thought Fox had a great opportunity to talk about the Lions, this historic franchise, the uniforms that they wear were so powerful that Al Davis stole the silver from their uniforms and combined it with the Black Army Knights of West Point and made the silver and black. Buddy Parker started the nickel defense, the former head coach of the Lions. He started the two-minute offense, the two-minute defense, the star position in football, which is what they would call it in New England or Alabama. That came from Buddy Parker. And to me, we never talked about that great history of the Lions franchise. It's tremendous. And I think this book tries to talk about the history of the game and pay homage to the people who came before us, whether it was players, coaches, or even broadcasters. I mean, Howard Cosell has done more to impact the NFL as 63 million people watch this game than most people. The same with Brent Musburger. In 1971, when Monday Night Football came to ABC, nobody wanted football on Monday nights. Bowling was the most popular thing to do on Monday. ABC only got Monday Night Football because CBS didn't want it because they had Gunsmoke and Andy Griffith. NBC didn't want it because they had Rowan and Martin and Doris Day. They were getting huge market shares. They put Cosell on, and all of a sudden, the world flipped, and bowling leagues became extinct on Monday night. So this book covers all the landscape, and then I rank the top 100 players because I truly believe, even though you're in the Hall of Fame, there's different levels to the Hall of Fame. It's what Dion said. I started writing this book before Dion said it, and he's absolutely right. There are different levels to the Hall, and I try to recognize those levels. Michael, great job. Thank you so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, there's Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM. Football done right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. I love that history stuff with the NFL. I love it. Well, he knows it all inside and out. I love it. I love it. I'm looking forward to reading that book. It's going to be phenomenal. You know, there's another – pause that for a second. There's another piece of history as to where the halftime show started that has been popping up on social media. Let's discuss this coming up, plus what he said about the Cowboys. Underachieving versus overachieving. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. The Dallas Cowboys just keep bringing it to the table for us. Saying things about themselves. Michael Lombardi just talked about how they're more overachieving than underachieving. But we also talked to Lombardi about 
history in the NFL. CC, you said you love that kind of stuff. I do. I love it. So there is something quickly here that has gone. I've seen gone viral over the last twenty four to forty eight hours on all social media. So do you know? And I didn't know this. How the halftime show really started in the NFL, like the reason behind why the halftime show was what it was or is what it is now, because mm-hmm. I didn't know this. In 1992, one of my favorite TV shows of all time, In Living Color, oh, yeah. on Fox, <laughs> so good, scheduled a live show. For those who don't know Living Color, it's one of the greatest sketch comedy shows of all time. Damon Wayans, Marlon Wayans, um, Keenan Ivory Wayans, Jim Sean Carrey, Wayne, Jim Carrey uh, J-Lo, Tommy Davidson, Tommy Davidson, everybody was there. Rosie yeah. Perez, Ridic, Jamie Foxx, yeah. like absurd. They scheduled a halftime show against, or a show against the halftime. 11 million people left the NFL, went to a living color, and the NFL said, uh uh-uh, uh, we're done with this. They paid a million dollars the next year for Michael Jackson. They said, no, no more. Nobody is ever scheduling against us again at halftime. So a million dollars, a living color. Wow. I did not know this. I did not know. You like the, the weird history, that like is the amazing. bowling? I mean, and by the way, that is phenomenal. That's, there, that's a piece of black history that's worth knowing. If like, there's any show, Ivy Reyes was able to come up with a yeah. show that could rival the NFL. Well, that Impressive. is amazing. Impressive. Look at that cast. Amazing. It's 86 Giants coaching staff, Iowa coaching under Hayden Fry. The amount of people that came out of that in Living Color cast, yeah. you will never in entertainment history find something oh, yeah, better yeah, yeah. than all of those people in one place at one time. You couldn't be able to afford it. You wouldn't be able to afford it. It's We Are the yeah. World, basically. Yeah. It's like it's the amazing. We Are the World, basically, all yeah. in one. Wow. I mean, just so, yeah. I thought that, was a, a fly girl dancer. Yeah, she was like oh, an yes. oh, by the way. Yeah, right. like, oh, by the way. Was that? <laughs> the biggest star maybe of all time? Yeah. Okay, great. Cool. Um, anyway, so Lombardi said that he thought that the Cowboys overachieved here, not underachieved. How do we hear that one? Do we like that? We agree with that? I don't know how that lands with me, especially when you consider that they were 12 and 5 and they were hosting the youngest playoff team in 50 years in their building. Like, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. And that game wasn't even competitive, was it, Smalls? They got boat raced by Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. I, I mean, when you've got a guy that's an all pro quarterback, you've got arguably the best defensive player in all of football in Michael Parsons, a guy that wasn't defensive player of the year running into Ron Bland. I, I don't know how you assign the underachiever label to him. I mean, you got an all-pro wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb who should be in Offensive Player of the Year consideration. How, I don't know how you call that a team that underachieves. Did they have their warts? Of course they did. But what team doesn't have their warts? It's a salary cap sport. But the reason why you're strong at those other positions is because they can cover up the other deficiencies that you have on your roster. If you're power ranking the most important positions when it comes to success in the NFL, it's quarterback, it's pass rusher, it's offensive lineman, it's wide receiver, and it's shutdown quarter. Tell me the box that the Dallas Cowboys don't check. Well, there was a part of this. They that check Lombardi- all of those. They got yeah. the, they got all of those key positions locked down. Plus, they got a championship winning coach. But what Michael said certainly plays into a lot of what's been put out there by the actual team, right? I mean, what my, let's take a listen to what Michael Parsons, their star linebacker, a defensive end, do-everything player, had to say the edge with Micah Parsons on the Cowboys going all in. Sitting here and, uh, you know, they're talking about we're going all in this year, man. That's what I would hope for. You know, I'm 24 years old. I've been in this league, you know, three years, and i kind of seen it all, and – uh I hope that we go all in. I hope that we go out and get the players that we're missing because we didn't do that this year. You know, I hope that we challenge ourselves, become better, and become greater for us. 
that would indicate that he agrees. Like, there's something missing here. That he thinks that there's players missing off of that team. There's always going to be something missing. There's always going to be something that can be a little bit better. You don't think that Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes look at the receiver group and <laughs> yeah. say that they can't be a little bit better? I bet they do. Of course they do. There's always going to be something like that. But that can't be your excuse. And to Michael Lombardi's point, the Cowboys, they didn't overachieve. You know who overachieved? The Green Bay Packers overachieved. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers overachieved. The Houston Texans overachieved. Hell, you could even say the Cleveland Browns. Those are over overachieved. They started four different quarterbacks this year. Those are teams that overachieved. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Cowboys in that, ain't that group. They had a top five offense and a top five defense. How are you in that group? And if you think... The Steelers overachieving. Yes. Nobody's going to confuse what those franchises are doing or did in 2023 to what the Dallas Cowboys did. It's not closed. If you think, though, that they overachieved, then why would you think that they should pay Dak? Well, he didn't say that they no, should pay No, I know. Dak. I'm just saying, if that's the thought process, and maybe internally some people are thinking that, we don't know. That's just speculation. But if if that's even part of the conversation, then why would you commit a lot of money to this same formula moving forward? Yeah, I'm sitting here after hearing Michael Lombardi with us, and if you missed any of that, go back on our podcast, uh, wherever podcasts are found, and listen to that. I am sitting here today more convinced than I was a day ago, and I was pretty convinced yesterday, that this is the plan. The Cowboys want to go into the season with everybody on an expiring deal. I, I'm convinced of that. that. That doesn't mean it may not change, and I could be wrong, obviously, but I'm starting to feel that what Michael said of fear is the greatest motivator. Yeah. But Dak shouldn't be afraid of anything because somebody else would want him. Now, if it's the fear of not being in Dallas where he's comfortable, he likes being, et cetera, he'll be fine going but somewhere else. But that's the thing, though. It's not really fear when it comes to Dak Prescott, right? Like Michael Lombardi, feel there's the work of reason. Like I hear Tannenbaum say that all the time. But there is no fear with Dak. Right. It's a quarterback-starved league. So I know I'm going to get my money whether it's with Jerry or it's with somebody else. He's in his early 30s, and he just had a best – season of his career he led the league in passing touchdowns and he's an all pro like somebody is going to pay him what he's going to be looking for north of 200 million dollars guaranteed and 55 million dollars per year or more that that's the going rate for a quarterback but do you think they're going to enter this all as lame ducks do you well, feel you can, like now? you can do that but it undermines whatever your season could have been before but you're not you ruling start. it out are you no, I know, not, I know I'm, you're agreeing I'm, I'm with McCarthy. Not, I'm not ruling it out because they have so many other guys whose contracts they have to address. But when you have people in leadership positions and you're hedging against what you think could happen in a negative way, how is everybody else in the building supposed to have conviction that those are the people that are going to lead you to where you want to go? Fear? That's the part. Like, like, here's the thing. You can say fear does the work of reason, but there's also a reason why teams don't let quarterbacks that are franchise guys go into a season as a lame duck. Coming up, did new rules injure an MVP? We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.